Monday night, and that means a brand new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comics and politics. So this is a show for folks who wonder and care how this recent Supreme Court rulings on the ACA and uh, marriage will benefit freelance comic creators. Hopefully both will make their lives a little bit happier and easier. Uh, they'll be able to actually... Yeah, I mean, they'll be able to marry the people they want and guarantee uh, health coverage until Congress fucks it all up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully they will. Yes. Uh, So joining me as always is my co-host, Alana. How you doing? I'm great. You know, I was just saying, Brett, this is the first episode we've had in a month where we didn't have a guest writer to interview. And the first episode we've had in probably almost two months where we didn't have any guests at all. And that's all because of you. Uh, you've been the one kind of setting those up and getting it going, so bravo. And Yeah, uh-huh. no, we've, we've got tons to talk about. I mean, we've, we're going to talk about comics and uh, series that have been out and various events and all the things we haven't been able to chat about. So Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. We've got a lot of you've catching got the up to list. do. Yes, yes, yes. I put it in your hands since you, you have the list of what we're going to discuss when. Oh. Well, um, let's kick it off with some Secret Wars. Um, what have you felt about this sort of experiment overall? It is... Uh, it's been interesting. Um, it's one that for an event... Uh, so, let me back up. So, Marvel's events, I think, for the last few years haven't been all that good. Um, whether or not it's nostalgia or, you know, the fact that maybe my taste wasn't quite as good as a, as a kid, but, like, Age of Ultron and and uh, Spirit Self and all these things, like, I haven't been too impressed. Secret Wars, though, mm-hmm. I think it's been pretty decent so far. Um, it definitely has the mystery built up. Um, I'm interested in seeing where it goes, and it does feel like a decent payoff of um, Jonathan Hickman's Avengers run that's been going on for so long. And, uh, I mean, there's definitely issues I have with it, um, but it's mostly on how things have been set up, and I think there's some inconsistencies in the story that drive me a little crazy. Um, Like, there's rules, and I don't think the rules are consistent. So, I think that bothers me a little bit, but overall, like, the the tie-ins have been pretty entertaining. The main story is slow, but good. Um, It's it's been it's good. Like I, I kinda went in with a lot of uh trepidation and coming out so far I wouldn't say necessarily happy, but like pleasantly surprised. <laughs> we'll go with pleasantly okay. surprised. I mean for me, I have not been reading the main Secret Wars titles. I've only been reading the titles that had interesting twists on concepts I liked or were continuations of books that I was already reading. So I'm pretty much only reading like the side spin offy things. Um and I also never read any of the Jonathan Hickman Secret Adventures stuff, so I'm really coming at this from an almost outside perspective. And I feel like it's given the right the company license to sort of try a lot of different styles, try a lot of different things that they hadn't been risking, they hadn't really been putting, and to sort of see what works, throw things at a wall and see what sticks. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's given writers a chance to explore different genres and styles, I think it's diversified the line a whole lot, and I think that's going to show in the long term having a real payoff uh, in terms of the, the diversity and interest in their content. 
um, because, you know, Marvel has been less homogenous in its offerings than DC was prior to DC relaunching. DC's getting better about it. But, Mark, but even so, I feel like we've gotten a lot of different kinds of genres, new stories worked in as part of Secret Wars that we weren't having otherwise. Um, and those experiments are, good, are, you know, good things to try. Um, I, you know, some worked, some didn't. Like, I, I really wanted to like the Secret Wars journal that was the spinoff stuff that was supposed to be, like, so fantasy world stuff yeah. with uh, Hawkeye. And that cover is great. I, I don't re- regret anything with the Kevin Wada cover. I'm, I'm not going to regret having purchased it, no matter what the contents are inside. But the contents inside were disappointing. Um, <laughs> but then conversely, the Angela uh, Witchfinder uh, issue was a whole lot of fun. Um, it, did, it did not pass muster amongst my our local Shakespeareologist. Um, laughed at the setup and then said, oh, this is just too wrong. I can't take it, but that's why I'm not the right person to talk to about these things. Which is probably true. Uh, I myself found it to be funny and creative take on it. And the Stephanie Hans art is just beautiful. She has really just kept on getting better as a, as a painter. And I, I'm hoping to see more and more of her work in the moving forward. Um, so I think like some of these weird sort of genre spinoffs have been good experiments to have. And everybody knows A-Force has been a huge success. And it's going to now be a continuing book, it looks like, right? Yeah. I mean, so that that's kind of... I think to me the Secret Wars, what's been kind of entertaining is seeing new creators take on classic tales. Um, mm-hmm. So it's all stuff we're familiar with, but they're mixing it up just enough to make it unique and new. And uh, then they're also doing you know fairly new takes on stuff, like uh, the A-Force is a good example of it um, that I, I really like. But yeah, I mean, A-Force is going to continue, which should be really, really interesting to see how it works afterwards and actually a force is one of the series that drove me nuts a little bit um like i liked it but there was a scene when they're all kind of standing out there and spider gwen's all the way in the back and at that point it hadn't really been established that there's like three billion versions of people so Uh like i knew she was also in the spider verse series and I'm like, I had just read that. I was like, wait, you know, there's rules where you're not allowed to cross borders, but she, clearly she's in, like, this A-Force world, and she's also in the Spider-Verse world. Like, how is this working? Because she's in there. Like, it's the same version of her, too. Like, there's no variation of the outfit. Um, so that one I kind of paused, like, that small part of it. Uh, but, it, like, otherwise the series is cool, and, like, how they should continue it, or how they will continue it afterwards will be fascinating um like yeah i mean i i it'll be really really interesting to see like how they pitch it so that doesn't come off as um like forced and cheesy in a way like i hopefully they do it organically and it makes sense like just having a team Mm. of women for women's sake to me kind of like it's cool to see but it doesn't make sense and i kind of want at least a little bit of a uh like a background or reasoning as to why they come together than just they're coming together. Huh. So I just had taken it as being like Paradise Island um, yeah. would be in DC Universe. I just accepted right. it as being like that. Secret Wars, yes. I'm talking like the, the post-Secret Wars new series. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. The well, Secret Wars are straight up like... I, I took it as, like, it's a Paradise oh. Island kind of version. Yeah. 
Yeah, which I, I really love that concept. Coming out of it, I think it's just, like, going to be a lot of fun to read. I, one thing, though, is I had read, um, when I had read the first issue, and I have not seen the second one yet, because I have not it's seen the review copies. This week, yeah. This week is Yes, out. I know. I'm just yeah. complaining about the lack of review copies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm doing however, uh, I had read um, Ms. America and Nico as a couple, but then the solicits were all like foster sister, and I'm like, uh, I thought they were girlfriends in this. Um, Wait, I haven't brought this question to the oh, internet yet to see what okay. others think. I mean, there haven't been a couple in continuity before, but I read them as being a couple in the new sh- in, in the in the co- in the, in Secret Wars. I did too. I I didn't see the um uh like the copy that says that they were like stepsisters or whatever. Um I took it as a couple. So that kind of throws yeah. me off. Okay. All right. Yep. That um it's a shame. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if the people writing marketing just weren't paying attention or if I don't know. I mean, I don't want I don't want this to be some weird thing where like any time two characters who are queer are, you know, to set up talking to each other, we should all be, like, thinking, are they dating? Because that's preposterous. I really hate when people do that to characters in general. But that wasn't, this isn't that. Like, they had, like, it seemed like they had a romantic attachment, uh, attachment to each other. So. I agree with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I read it the exact same way, that it was, um, that they were, like, in, uh, romantically involved somehow. So you weren't the only one to to read it that way. Okay, thank you. Yeah, um, no, I totally of, read it yeah. the same way. I I have a feeling you're going to go with the next one, Runaways. Yes, how could you tell? You you were the <laughs> first person to email about um, a certain character being identified as a bisexual. But here's what kills me. My copy, I have not been able to read it yet because it has been eaten by the other piles of comics in my apartment. I, I need an intern to come to my apartment and find <laughs> my missing copy. It is somewhere here. I have looked underneath the cat and I have looked underneath the pile of free comics I was given a special edition. I do not know where it is. It is killing me. So tell me what you saw. So it it is done and done right. So um, in the issue, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going off the top of my head, um, the story is basically teenagers from all around the various uh, kingdoms, or however you want to call it, uh, areas of Secret Wars, uh, that they're kind of brought into the school, and like the best of the best become Dune's Honor Guard. Really cool concept. I actually mm-hmm. dug that. Like I think that was really neat. And there, a bunch of them wind up in detention, and they're talking, and Pixie is flirting with, and I can't, I'm, this is where I'm blanking, I don't remember who it was, but it was a guy, and she makes a comment, like, she's flirting with them, and he's like, wait, I thought you and Jubilee were together, and she's like, oh, we dated once, that type, or like, it's over with, it's just like this really offhanded comment, and to me, it's very, like, high school of how so like, oh, I, I dated that person for, like, a split minute, you know, we're not dating right. anymore. Um, so the the actual, um, like, what was being said back and forth completely, like, awesome as far as um, as the actual dialogue. And it's one of those, like, 
you read it and it's so natural and slow and I got like to the next page and I paused and I went back. I was like, wait, did she just say she was dating Jubilee at some point? And like went back and reread it again and I'm just like paused and stared at it. I'm like, I don't remember if either of them had ever dated another girl before. Like, is this completely new? Is this something I totally missed that I'm just unaware of? Because time and time again, we've proven that I'm pretty oblivious to this stuff uh, for some reason. And this, like, I, I, I had no idea. So immediately I hit up our, our little group that we can geek out on, and I was just like, uh, is anyone, am I, like, missing something? Is this new? Like, what's up? Um, but it was, like, it felt natural. It was really cool. It was a great addition, mm-hmm. and it was done, Rick, really subtly and not, um, there's nothing, you know, it, nothing new. Calling it. attention, waving flags, yeah, and certainly, and no yeah. body erasure. There was yes. no, like, oh, I used to like girls, and now I don't, or oh, I used to like boys, and now I don't. There was just, oh, I was dating this person, and, and now I'm not. And, and flirting with you. Like, that was it. It was great. Um, other comics could, like, learn something from that. I, I, I really want to, I, I can't wait to dig this one up. Cannot wait to dig this one up. Oh, just a quick correction about A-Force. It wasn't the solicit that said that. It was the first page of the new issue that I saw in previews. Um, um, like, the the inset page. Interesting. So I'm not sure who to blame for that. The best is weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. I uh, I'm gonna have to read that again because I read it the same as you. Yeah, no, we are right. I, whoever wrote that in page is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, uh, did you end up reading um, Years of Futures Past? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one I thought it was good. Like it didn't blow me away, but I thought it was pretty decent. Um, the the mm-hmm. thing that's I think fascinating about Secret Wars. Uh, and I don't know if anyone else has picked up on it yet. I mean, there's all these rumors as to what um, what is coming for mutants and the X-Men post-Secret Wars. But if anyone has noticed, in almost every single Secret Wars book, there's been comments about mutants and how they need to be purged and how they're like a scourge on the world. Um, mm-hmm. Very much going back to that uh, the old school persecuted buy that they kind of lost recently and got back and they go back and forth with but it's been this very consistent thing throughout all the series not like one series every single one where they all make comments about mutants and how they're just not liked and um how there's issues with them so i thought it was interesting to see it from this perspective um but like you know it, it was one it was a good issue could be a good tie-in. I don't think quite as good as, like, the original, but then again... No. The original is, like... The high, of, high bar. Yeah, yeah exactly. What I was going to say, and I, I'm writing this for our little piece, that Brett, uh, everyone, the team at Graphic Policy Radio does a weekly post where we tell you our, recommend, our recommended picks uh, in advance of new comic space. So if folks don't know about that, should take a look at Graphic Policy and check out those lists every week. We, we post them. Um, I was, I'm going to be saying in mine about that book is that... Um, you know, I, I, you, Days of Futures Past is one of the all-time, like, greatest comic stories ever told of the Marvel Universe. Um, so, no, of course, it's not going to be as good as that. But I think anybody who liked that would like this because it hits a lot of the same notes. It um, has very heavy-handed political metaphor, but a lot of emotional resonance. Um, 
And the heavy-handed political metaphor, like, actually works, even though it's incredibly heavy-handed. Uh, and I am really curious to know who the heck is Cameron, Wolverine's mysterious son. Any thoughts there? I don't on that one. What's, uh, the only thing I can think of is that it's playing off of his son from the Ultimate Verse, and they kind of brought it over, but... I don't, I don't know, because he's got a kid there, and actually Wolverine's dead in the Ultimate Verse, and it's his kid that's running around. Oh, um, weird. Interesting. Yeah, so they, like, totally killed off Wolverine, and that was that. Um, so maybe it has something to do with that, but I have no idea. Like, yeah, I, I would hope we're going to find out who the other parent is. Yeah. And then, um, I, I at first I was I was a little bit put off at first about Kitty Pride and Colossus's daughter being named Christina because Kitty Pride is Jewish and like Chris Chris anything with the word Chris in it is like specifically not a Jewish name. Yeah. Uh, and I read I was speaking to Marguerite Bennett at um, FlameCon and I wanted to approach this as delicately as possible because I really like her work and I don't want to be that dick who says mean things to people. So I just sort of asked like, hey, I was wondering if in this book is Katie Pride considered Jewish because of what? And she said, well, it's complicated to identify religiously because you have Dr. Doom and he is God. But I wasn't referencing Jesus Christ. I was referencing the original Latin word, which is uh, for rebirth, which is like, I forgot what she said. But I was like, oh, okay. So I'm happy and satisfied of that answer. Uh, but I know that, Brett, you and I are both always on Jew alert, so <laughs> I wanted to I- not let that slip. It's a good call. Uh, I was, I there was, it wasn't because of the name that the old Jewish thing came up to me. Um, there was another like reference or something in the comic that I thought about it, but uh, it's actually a really good point about how like there would no be, there really probably wouldn't be Judaism in this world because Doom is God and yeah, I I didn't even think of that. That's actually like a really cool spin on everything and okay. Yeah, I, I, I'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think has been the best Secret Wars title so far? Ooh, good call. Spin-off good or, question. Or Battle World or Main Thing or anything like that. I'd like to hear what you think. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. The main So the main story I think is really cool. Um, or it's been good so far. I don't know. I, well, hold on. I need to like actually look as to like what the hell has come out. It's a really good question. I have no idea. I'd have to look at the list. The ones I so the ones I haven't super, like enjoyed a ton. Uh, actually, the no. Here we go. The one that I've really really enjoyed so far. I like Thor's because it was so different. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I like Old Man Logan because I think it's the first issue plays off the Western vibe of the original story really really well. Um, and I think Western. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, there's like entire like we are ripping off of classic westerns in this of like him walking off into the sun type shots. It's straight up, and that's what the original story was was basically a, an e- Clint Eastwood story with Wolverine. Um, so I really enjoyed both of those. Um, huh. I think like Thor's to me has been out of all of them probably the best, and I think that's partially because. It takes one very 
known genre of like the police procedural and throws in Thor and a lot yeah, of Thor. Yeah, folks who don't know, Thor's is law and order, but the police force are Thor's. Yeah. And it's very dunk-dunk worthy. Um, <laughs> I, I am not, in spite of the fact that law and order is pretty much the full employment plan for the television industry workers force of New York, and therefore I support it morally. Um, I am not a fan of watching it, but I did enjoy the comic. I felt like it was quite funny when it needed to be. I felt like it got the character voices properly of the genre, but I'm not happy with who the dead person is. I don't want to spoil her that yet. Which, the one at the end? Or who's getting killed off? It turns out that who's getting killed off. Okay. Can we can we mention that or should we wait? Nah, yeah, let's let's mention it. Why not? Let's spoil things. If you don't want to listen, well, come back in like three minutes or so. Yeah, I don't, well, we we won't be long. So yeah, it turns <laughs> out you know at first the comics established that Jane Foster is the new Thor in the main comics, which is awesome. Both Brett and I were wrong, but she was probably both of our second choice for being who it was. I will just say. Yeah. And um, and now we have in Secret Wars. Guess who's getting killed? It being murdered, serial murdered across all planes and across all universes. It's Jane Foster. Kind of seems super friggy. Yes. Oh yeah. But I'm not so ready to say like, oh, conclusively this is friggy. Like I, I, I have to see like maybe there's something more happening. You know. Uh, well, so my my gut says it's going to wind up being uh, another Thor killing her off in, like, a fit of jealousy, in which case, if it's done that way, you can get some really interesting, like, men's rights issues into that sort of thing. Like, that would be kind of a cool spin on it. Um, uh-huh. my, so there's that. My question, though, <laughs> is if they're killing her off, like, haven't we seen a Jane Foster Thor in the Thors? On the cover of the of the comic, but not inside. In fact, we have not seen nearly enough female Thors in the Thor Force. <laughs> Need to look. I'm positive I've seen her somewhere. Mm-mm. Maybe in another book? Might have been in uh, the main series. I would probably in another book. Yeah, that would explain why you saw none I have thought, but... Yeah, which comes down to the question of, like, well, I mean, that, so that's part of my issue with Secret Wars as a whole, is this multiple versions of the characters and being different places when it's the same damn character. Um, Spider-Gwen being the, the perfect example in A-Force and Spider-Verse. Um, but I think that's my only thing of, like, isn't there a Jane Foster Thor out there somewhere? Um, but maybe not. Like, maybe I'm misremembering I think things. it's sort of not... I mean, it makes it easier for me as someone who's not reading that many of them. I'm actually able to just sort of see... Um, and I don't have that same confusion because I'm not reading as many, I guess. Yeah, and, and honestly, you don't need to. Like, this is an event where I think you have to read everything to catch what's going on or even care what's going on. Like, I by the time it all wraps up, it's... You know, you're going to get some really cool stories that aren't, like, interwoven where if you miss something, you really don't know what's going on. And um, it, it's a bunch of just series set in a... You know, so Secret Wars reminds me of House of M. It's it's House of M redone. 
where mm. they, they went and did like this whole alternate world. They had a whole bunch of different series that spun out of it with different titles and different versions of the characters. Um, and Magneto is in charge of that one, and Doom is in charge of this one. It's House of M Redux. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. But do you think this is serving its purpose of, like, creating a new baseline for the comics to start off again once it's resolved? Or what do you think of what they're proposing for the new things moving forward? That's the that's the, like, the million-dollar question. So they have stated time and time again it's not it's not a reboot because everything that's come before has actually come before. So the only thing I can think of is that certain characters will remember what happened. Um, some things will be slightly changed in this new world that comes after. And there will be one, a brand new Earth Prime or whatever you want, Earth 616. But there's still going to be a multiverse, which they said, because Spider-Gwen series is going to be in her own world, not on this new world. So she's going to be off huh. on her own little Earth. So that the seems like a bad choice. It's a weird choice. It's really weird to like destroy the multiverse to only just recreate the multiverse. With only one other verse and the verse is Gwen's verse. Weird. There's got to be others, she can, right? She can completely ex- coexist in a world that has Spider-Man. Like I feel like her origin is her origin can only exist in a world that doesn't have Peter Parker. Her present existence can exist in a in a merged world that has Spider-Man. You know. Yeah, and but we so we know Miles Morales is coming over to the new uh, Earth six one six whatever you want to call it, um, and that Peter will be an older version of Peter. So I'm gonna guess he's probably gonna be still married, um, and he will kind of mentor Miles. I'm fully believing that there will be an amazing Spider-Man comic with Peter, as well as Spider-Man with Miles, but they haven't announced that. Um, so Spider Gwen being in the six, the main universe would be interest or Spider Gwen would be interesting, but I think it would be almost too weird in that like part of Peter's like his growing up was the fact that she died. Like to have her as a teenager running around would just be I think way too weird and kind of creepy. No, it would be awesome. It would be like a good sort of decentering moment for him, and he also would I think have to be like. I'm not in charge of everything. I can't control everything. There's things that are beyond me, and I'm not always the hero. And sometimes other people can be the hero. And it's, I, I think it could be really cool on a lot of levels. Yeah, I mean, I could see that and him having to deal with it. So uh, for me, the the best version of it is where Jean Grey came back in all-new X-Men and older Scott had to deal with her, and there was a definite creep factor um, about it. To me, there was a huge creep factor about it all. Hmm. Um, but maybe other folks didn't quite uh, get that same vibe. But I, yeah, there's scenes with them together. I'm just like, oh, this is so, so to catch a predator. Well, I mean, they could just not write that that way. That's a bomb. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think there's any reason <laughs> to not have them both um, in the same world. It seems like it's going to be likely for her to get kind of pushed aside if she's not in the main one. Well, so the thing, like, so here's the good is her series has been selling like gangbusters. So I think even on her, she's one of the few characters right now, I think can actually hold her own universe. 
my own, my big question would be is Marvel is Marvel going to spin it out like exactly like they did with the the Ultimate Universe where it started with mm. one series and then wound up being a whole other and then how many years has it been uh, twenty years or whatever and now no. they're combining it all. Is it I'm not old enough. For Hold that. on, when did Ultimate Spider Man come out? It came out with the original Spider Man film. Maybe it's fifteen years, ten years. Scott, it's more that than ten years. Yeah, no, I think it's like 15 years. Uh, it was published I mean, by Marvel Comics from 2000 to 2009, so 2000. I was off five years. Yeah, stop making me feel old. <laughs> Unforgivable. <laughs> Sorry. I kind of forgive you. Uh, but she, so I don't know if, how much you pay attention to the, the, the sales. Like, she's consistently been doing over six figures in comic for mm-hmm. sales. Like, she's been rocking as far as um, um, the actual, like, sales numbers. Really, really, really good. Uh, one of the few characters that Yeah, it that sounds that way. Like, she's very much the zeitgeist. Oh yeah, so tell me what do you so what else do you think of what's to come? I mean, I really haven't I think like I I've seen like you know Alex Ross art coming across my dash on Tumblr. Is there like what's going on? Are there going to be a whole lot of new number ones? Yeah, so when all this wraps up in August, I guess it would be. Um though the with the delays, who knows if it'll be in uh, into, sept- uh, into September, uh, Marvel is basically restarting their entire line from number one issues. Uh, they've said that there's going to be between, I think they said 55 and 60 or 50 and 60 comics a month, uh, which is like 15 a week that is completely obnoxious. Um, the, huh. yeah, all starting from number ones, they're going to be... Um, started over numerous months, so it's not going to be all 60 in one month. It'll probably be, you know, 21 month, 20 another, 20 another. Um, the Interesting. Uh, people's okay. websites that have autoplay, I was looking up to see if something I'd heard of speculation was true, and people who have, auto, have any kind of autoplay audio on their websites need to be stopped. What is, yeah, that's a whole other thing. What the hell is up with video auto-playing lately? I've noticed this is like a new trend that has come back when it should have died a death long ago. If people are doing it to drive up their click-throughs, but in reality it's going to reduce people's engagement because you've just imposed on them. Anyway, sorry, continue. That's <laughs> right. Um, so they're basically rebooting uh, everything from new, new number one. Uh, they're going to be taking a lot of these characters from that haven't either been used a lot or... Um, from different universes, kind of mashing them all together. A great example would be is Miles Morales is now going to be the prime Spider-Man in a series called Spider-Man. Um, Squadron Supreme, which should be kind of cool. It's kind of uh, Marvel's version of the Justice League. Uh, will get their own series. Uh, let's see what else. They've promised a comic based off of Red Wolf, which is their very stereotypical Indian character. Yeah, very. Uh, yeah, uh, like borderline offensive version, or just not even borderline offensive version, depending on who you ask. Dan, the Dan Snyder version of comics. Um, like, he'll get his own series. Uh, let's see what else I'm trying to think of off the top of my head. Oh, there, there's going to be a new... The one that's, I think, kind of interesting 
it's funny that Wade got shit for this one, Mark Wade got crap for it, is they've got a new series of Avengers that's all new, all different Avengers, because why can't we just have something called Avengers? Everything's got to be all new or all different. Um, and the comic is, or the team is made up of um, the Falcon, Captain America, female Thor, um, Nova, Ms. Marvel, uh, Miles Morales, and uh, Tony Stark is Spider-Man, and I might be missing someone else. But basically, Tony Stark is the only white male on the team. Cool. Yeah. So That's cool. That, yeah, so that one, and people got a taste of that in the new free, the free comic book day story. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, the one that's big mystery, their whole big things is everything they're throwing up is like, oh, different characters will be taking over as X-23 will now be the new Wolverine. There's going to be uh, an older Wolverine of the old man Logan version, uh, which potentially could be cool if they keep the Western vibe to it. Uh, there will be a new person as the Hulk. Um, everyone is pointing and guessing. Oh, yeah, that's a big question mark on his face. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, and they've decided to name it Totally Awesome Hulk. Again, proving that we can't just have normal titles. We have to go back to... Yeah. The titles are hurting me for a little bit. Um, Like, I can't seriously actually say Totally Awesome Hulk without, like, chuckling. Um... I'm trying to think of what else. I think that's pretty much everything, like, the big announcement. Oh, the one that actually I thought was kind of interesting, uh, not because of the series, but because of who's taking over, is uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick is leaving Captain Marvel. And yeah. The, yeah, but the producers behind Agent Carter are going to be taking over. I think it's great, and I'm excited for Kelly Sue, because she's been writing the book for a long time, and she has a lot of yep. successful creator-owned work. And I totally think, you know, she's put she's just really changed the entire landscape and if she wants to do something else and she's leaving this in the hands of people who seem super trustworthy, like, that's totally great. Totally respect it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the, the big question I've got with that new team is, you know, obviously they're going to be doing a Captain Marvel film. And you have two people who are from the television angle. Is is Marvel smart enough or uh, gutsy enough to take those two individuals and put them on the movie? Mm. Like, think about that. That would be sort of, very cool. Yeah, like, think about that. To me, that would be really, really interesting um, and be different to see someone do. Like, hey, we're actually going to take the real the writers behind the series and have them write the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I, mean, I think it's not very likely, but I think it would be very cool. <laughs> um... I think that's like it's all the it's the big Marvel news. Gotcha. I think one um, tonight that came out that hasn't been like officially announced is uh, Jeff Lemire is doing um, an X Men book. I forgot what it is. It starts with an E. Oh, okay. Is it like a extraordinary X Men book? It's extraordinary X Men. God, so many adjectives. It's like Stan Lee yeah. is writing all these titles. The adjectives are driving me nuts, but yes. Um, the best use of adjectives in I comics mean, was Skull Kickers when they just started making fun of Marvel. What what did they start saying? So this this went on like it was probably a year ago at this point, but Skull Kickers for like a four month period kept on renumbering 
and retitling the series. So first it was like Uncanny <laughs> Skull Kickers number one, and then Extraordinary Amazing Skull Kickers number one, and then Kick Ass Amazing Fantastic Skull Kickers number one. Uh, and they mm-hmm. did it for like four months in a row or five months in a row. It was really, really funny. Um, and then every press release announcing it was just like, we've decided since the number one boosted our sales, we're going to make it number, another number one. Uh, Basically, it, I mean, I get the joke, but that makes it pretty inconvenient for people who are buying yeah, but actually, if you if you bought the comics, it, basically there was variants. It was either the normal number comic, which was just whatever Skull Kickers thirty three, or they had like the variant, which was the crazy title number one. Um, gotcha. And the story and the story like was totally number. There there wasn't like a complete restart. It was straight up like thirty three, thirty four, thirty five, thirty six type of thing. Um, they just mm-hmm. were making fun of the titles. It was well worth it. It's the only time I've ever seen that done. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Long story. Yeah. Well, thanks for the sum up. You guys always have really, you know, good news to check out. Um, just before, while we're closing up on Marvel, a couple of things. I, I want to shout out Spider-Woman, which just has been getting better over time. Um, the issue before the last one was where I first began to see, like, that there's actually something interesting going on and being said here. Uh, there's commentary coming through this comic around you know, who are who are victims of supervillains and like who needs to be rescued and who is rescuing themselves and um the experience of being a family member of a victim and the wife or wife of a criminal and like what does that entail? And um really interesting. And the most recent issue is just really great. Um I if folks haven't been reading Spider Woman, go pick up this month and the month before that book. I you really like just starting from there, it'll be fine. Um, and I think this, this comic is really freaking feminist uh, and under the radar, and people aren't talking about it, and I, I think people should. Um, obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of Jessica Drew in general, but I am not someone who had really read Dennis Hopeless before, and I'm impressed now. And it was a bit of a slow build. Uh, issues one and two and whatever, I mean, they were good, but they weren't, you know, anything I'd be taking a moment to tell you to go read on my podcast. But as of the last two issues, which they were building towards, this is an interesting comic with something to say, and it's also funny, and it's also action-packed, and the art is really nice. And uh, you should check it out. Good to know. Thumbs up. Yeah, I, I know I'm behind on it, so uh, you dive back and like, get a recommendation and say it's worth checking out now. Um, Mm-hmm. That's clear. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, Image and stuff like that now? Uh, Image or DC? I know we've been doing having a lot of DC guests, but do we want to talk post? Oh, we have had a lot of DC guests. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about DC. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, all right. So for folks who don't know, uh, DC had their own event where they took their multiverse and mashed it all together in a big event called Convergence, and out the other end uh, was a whole new multiverse. Uh, Gone is the new 52, sorta, and welcome (laughs) back, we think is a uh, more traditional DC multiverse where there are tons of worlds and anything can happen, and all of DC's history is uh, existing. I don't know. I don't know. The DC multiverse always confused me. Uh, so yeah, so then they uh, also with your new series, 
they decided that their big focus will be uh, diversity, not just in characters, but the uh, content itself. So along with the, I think, 23 comics they kept, they launched like 26 new ones. I might be mixing that up. Um, and mm-hmm. um, some of them are miniseries, some of them are ongoing series. Not all of them have started yet, but uh, it's it's impressive as far as like they they said that they're going to do this and they've done this with a a diverse amount of writers artists characters styles like they they said they were going to do something um and they certainly have i think hopefully seems to be a bit for the better i mean i've gone from reading almost no dc to reading a lot of dc titles just now it's really been a drastic improvement um I don't know how much diversity is reflected in their creative teams now, but it certainly seems to have a lot of women now, at least. Um, although, obviously, when we say a lot of women, we don't mean 50% women. That's the problem. Um, but nevertheless, uh, definitely a big significant step in the right direction and a lot of new reader-friendly titles that are coming out. Um, so I'm I'm happy to give it a nod. A couple things impressed me. I, I liked the concept of We Are Robin a lot. Politically, like, the idea of all the youth of Gotham coming together and so that they will collectively be superheroes rather than being about one particular person, I think it's very cool. I wasn't crazy about the preview that, that I read, to be honest, but then when I read the whole issue, I, I really liked it. And I'll be sticking through. What about you? So, well, the we, are, we Are Robin, do you remember the series, like, the movement that they tried to do? Yeah, definitely something, you know, Gail, Gail Simone's book, which was um, yeah. a really cool concept, but just didn't quite, I don't know, I job. felt like it didn't have the depth that it needed. It didn't have the, it needed more time, and it would have worked better if she wasn't introducing so many new characters all at once. Um, but yeah. yeah, it still sort of feel like it's a continued, like this is a new version of the movement. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of my my feel of it, um, and it's not a knock at all. Like to me, it feels the movement done right. Um, uh-huh. That it, there's there's just a vibe about it of these kids kind of coming together and doing something that you know something good with their. I won't even say their powers because we don't know if any of these people actually have powers or abilities. Yeah, uh, like but skills and yeah, their skills. Fashion. Yeah, it, it, to me, it felt very much like the movement, um, and that's a good thing. Like it was, I, I liked the movement concept, and yeah, for real. Yeah, it, it should be. It's got potential. I think it's it could be cool. It it it's hopefully will be interesting. Um, it was one that I went into not expecting that I would like it, and came out and be like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. I'm like glad I read that. Um, the one I don't know if you read that knocked, like, what a shock that I loved it is, did you pick up Prez or no? No, I didn't. Uh, okay. Uh, do you know the concept or no? Yeah, I do. Go ahead. You should, we should talk about it. This is, like, our beat, so please pursue yeah. this topic. So, <laughs> uh, so the series is a in the year 2036, um, it starts off with during a presidential election. Um, you kind of get a lot of skewering of politics in general, how we uh, select our candidates. And at the same time, there is a girl who winds up on YouTube 
for getting her hair stuck into a uh, a uh, flat top griddle. Flat top griddle. Thank you. Um, oh my and God. <laughs> and she winds up on YouTube and with the nickname Corn Dog Girl. Well, in the future, Anonymous is recognized as an actual like world power, um, a non non uh, like nation power, but you know, uh, I forgot what the proper term is, but uh, uh-huh. they wind up screwing with the presidential election because now you can find Twitter. So, of course, they decide to do what they can to get Corndog Girl elected. Um, so the first issue ends with the actual, like, electoral college uh, vote come in. If I remember right, no one has the majority, so clearly it's probably going to go to the uh, you know to House of Representatives and debating things there uh, as far as the elections, and I will probably wind up being president. So it is a teenage girl uh, who is not a politician uh, becoming president in the future. And oh my God, does it skewer politics. Mm. And do, does it really, really well. Like it's So there's, a, I'll just throw out a perfect example. There is a scene where one of the uh, candidates winds up going on a uh, YouTube channel to drum up votes. And I saw that, and I'm like, I will put money. At least one of the candidates is on a YouTube channel uh, with like a YouTube YouTube personality trying to get votes this year. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, they should yeah. be, you know. But like, I saw that. I'm just like, oh god, someone is actually like. I guarantee you this conversation is happening now in this campaign uh, about. Uh-huh whether or not their candidate should go on some YouTube personality. Like, it's that type of stuff where I'm, like, watching this going, holy crap, I guarantee these conversations are going on right now. Um, so the future issues will be her getting her cabinet together, having to actually deal and govern, and, uh, you know, since she's not a politician, things don't go quite as smooth as you think, or, you know, and uh, her isn't quite what you would think it's not of. Like, it's not politicians that she brings into the cabinet. It's people who actually, like, have a clue, um, who, like, really, really so know their stuff. Cool. I, yeah. I, when I read the preview, it looked like it was, seemed like it was going to be making fun of her, and I don't have a mm-hmm. lot of tolerance for that right now. So no, hearing that don't. makes me interested. Yeah. So it, it doesn't really, I mean, there's, there's the humor of her getting her hair stuck, like, but still it doesn't really make fun of her um, at all. Like, it is pure satire about politics as a whole. Um, she is just kind of the center of it all. I, I like, I don't want to go too much into the first issue, but, like, there's a thing where it's clearly it's the Republicans, even though they don't bring up parties, and it's like, do you want to go with the choir boy, the guy who was trolling on gay sex sites? These are our choices mm. for our nominee. Like, that type of thing. And they're like, you know, after these conversations happen, like, are, are going on now. Um... And it's 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 pretty funny. Like it's really hit home. And the guy who wrote it, uh, who's writing it, Mark Russell, did uh, a not. It wasn't a comic, but it was a book called uh, "God Is Disappointed in You" that um, goes over the Bible, but kind of like updates the language a little bit and really hmm. condenses it down. And I I forgot what flight we were on where I was reading it, but I was convulsing in my chair. I was laughing so hard and crying at points. So the fact he's writing it, um, I thought it's going to be awesome. And it's not Mark Russell, the political satirist. Um, there's another Mark Russell, which I thought was really 
hilarious. There's actually like a huh. guy named Mark Russell, but there's another guy named Mark Russell, Russell who's writing this, who is also does satire. Wow. Okay, that's complicated. Yeah. People seriously to get more creative. <laughs> but I've been saying that for years. It's good. Like the this it's well worth it. Like I think you'll you'll read the first issue. It doesn't make fun of her. Like I really don't think it makes fun of her at all. Mm. Good, because I'm so tired of that. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Um. Overall, like, so what have you read of the new DC, whatever you want to call it? Oh, you know, certainly all the stuff that Brendan Fletcher has been writing, which we all spoke about and are really enjoying. I actually think the latest, the the beginning, the arc of Batgirl that's beginning right now sounds even better than what they had before, to be honest. I, I like the new, I'm particularly interested in the new cult that she's going to be fighting, and I feel like the tension between her and the police it's finally being handled a little bit better than it was before. So I, I think it's, you know, even better. Yeah, I I really, I dig the the first issue of Batgirl I thought was really, really cool. Um, I'm liking it a lot. So it's, uh, it's a fun one. Like, it, uh, what a shock. Like, the Batgirl leading up to it is, was pretty entertaining. Um, the first issue, that's really good. Um, I mean, so far, like, there's very few things that I've read that I've been like, I don't want to continue reading this. Everything I've at least been interested in continuing, at least for a little while. Which the first, like, New 52, I picked stuff up, and I'm like, oh my god, this is horrible, I don't want to read this anymore. Um, There hasn't really been anything so far that's hit me like that. So that's it. Um... And we should a real quick um, Grayson. So yes. I, I, it's been sort of aware in the back of my mind that people have been praising this new Dick Grayson book for um, it's like a, a, a James Bond-esque uh, spy thriller, you know, taking the character in a new direction, but also very much embracing his uh, proclivity towards cheesecake and just saying out there like, yes, this is here for you to look at and sexualize, and that's okay. And I think that that's wonderful and radical, and I totally support that. I hadn't picked it up. Just I, I'm reading too many things, and I, I don't know. I'm not super feeling like I needed a James Bond book in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I had just read so many glowing reviews that by the time this latest issue came out, and I'd heard that it was a decent jumping-off point for the new series, and that the new... Helena Bertinelli Huntress as a woman of color, I said, screw it, oh, I'm going to go buy this new issue, even though it's at number nine, and I have no idea what's going on. Um, I like a lot of things about the book. It does, really does a good job of visual storytelling, like shout out to the artist for like how he's able to really use the medium. Um, I think the eye candy and cheesecake is really good. They do a great job of it. It's nice to see an artist who actually knows how to draw men being attractive and is encouraging you to look at them in that way. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, this is my first issue, and I totally understood what was going on with only minimal background knowledge, and uh, I'm very much suspense, uh, in suspense of what's going to happen in the next one. I, I think, like, there's a million strong pieces of praise I can give this book, but there's one thing that got me bob- and bothers me, and nobody else has spoken about it yet, which is kind of killing me, because I really need a queer guy to be the one talking about this, and I don't want it to just be me 
I actually did speak with a particular um, comic reviewer who's a queer guy who said he would be writing something about this for uh, a different, somebody else's comics blog, a good one, but not ours, um, has not been published yet. I am hoping he still does it uh, because it's, cause I want to have someone else talk about this. But here's the deal. So in Grayson 9, there is a page where Dick Grayson has just changed it out of his um, spy uniform or his practical spy clothes and into a tuxedo so he can infiltrate Gala. And as he's tying his tie, there's one page. It's a full page panel, just one panel page. He is looking in the eyes of the reader saying, am I straight, question mark? And he's referring to his necktie. But he's not just referring to his necktie. He is asking the viewer to confirm that the viewer is reading of him is, is that he's bi, basically. And you're like, wow, that's really subversive and cool. Except it's 2015, and if he's bi, I want the fucking comic to tell me that he's bi. And I don't want it to be cheeky. I don't want it to be gay-baiting. I don't want it to be like saying, is he or isn't he? And this isn't the year for... You know, like that episode of Xena where Xena and Gabriel kiss, except it's not really a kiss, and we're all supposed to be like, will they or will they? Or the show is finally acknowledging what we've all suspected for years, or blah, blah, blah. No, I'm sorry. Like, I, there isn't enough textual meat there for me to say that the comic is writing him as queer. I, 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 I haven't been reading anything with Grayson in it for a very long time, and I'm not a scholar of the history of the character. And so somebody other than I would, would need to be the person to argue, like, yes, this character is bisexual, and the editors need to admit what we all know all along. Like, that's something I can say about Kitty Pride, That's something I can say about a number of characters that editors don't, that haven't said are bi, but we all know are. I cannot say that for Grayson. But I will say that there are people on the Internet who will say that for him, and those people, like, go for it. And I will say, even if there weren't, it's 2015, and I don't want you to tease that a character might be queer. I want you to say that he is, and that should be the freaking thing. And I think it's all too cute and too cheeky, and it's sexualizing without respecting queer people to allow it to just sort of be this game that you're playing and not actually acknowledge this with an identity. Um, so one of the reasons why I didn't read the Harley and Ivy book was because the whole thing seemed to be pure is she or isn't she about them as a couple. And now that the writers have said, yes, Harley and Ivy are in a romantic relationship, I feel good about it. And I'm glad this comic exists, and I'm glad they finally decided to make that canon. Are you following me here at all? Oh, I totally get it. So when I read the issue, um, I came into that one scene, too. And when he's just like, am I straight? And I paused, and I looked at it, and I'm just like, oh, that's not, you know, that's purposely double entendre, like, throwing out there that's writer knew what they were doing. Um, it's clearly a cheeky wink and a nod. Um, I will say that the page itself is fucking awesome. I love that page and that yeah. artwork. Um, yeah. So my pause on it, I didn't, so I didn't even come think about like the, we are throwing it out and teasing, um, you know, to, for the women type of like the, the exploitation aspect of it. Uh, my first thought of it was, well, DC said they're going to be diverse. Maybe they're going to go in this direction, and this is like the first tease of that. Um, so I totally agree with what you're saying, and like, see, see it. It's one where I'm like, maybe they will actually act upon it now. Like, New Fifty Two before that, fuck no, there was no way in hell we would ever get a. a uh, bisexual Dick Grayson. 
new the post fifty two this new DC diverse uh, possibly like I I'm holding out hope basically. So um, wow, I think if you there are, was you have you are that you are you have more faith in the publisher than I do. <laughs> well, so the the thing is is like and and the only reason I'm I've got faith now is because of the uh, Midnighter number one, which was wasn't just a gay character headlining his comic, there were some pretty, like, hot and heavy scenes that I actually paused and said, holy shit, I can't believe this is being published by DC. Um, so, going off of that, I'm hoping that they're... I'm holding out hope, let's put it that way. Will they? Probably not. If I was a betting man, I would say no. But I'm going to go with slight hope. Basically, like... I'd give it a couple more issues or maybe an arc to see if they do. Um, and if they do, I will be standing and praising them and saying, bravo, well done, um, fantastic. This is something that is awesome to see. Like, it's one of those, like, I don't know. It's it, it, If there was any other point that they were going to do it, now's the time. Mm-hmm. Are they going to do it? I have I, no yeah. idea. Yeah, I just, I don't believe for, I just don't believe that DC's, going to do it. I don't believe that DC is going to have Dick Grayson be bi. I think that this is like sexualizing queer people in a way that's sort of one directional. So, and so, I, I would also just footnote it to say that I don't think that the creators intended it to be read this way. I think the creators yeah. have the best intentions in this. And I think, that, again, like what I've said, I think what they're trying to do is actually really radical and feminist and amazing. I'm just raising this as a point which complicates it. And that I think that like, I, I I hope that they can consider this when they're working on it. So here's the, here's a um, question. Um, it, so it, let's say they do. If they do issues down, like, is that makes this better? Yeah, totally. It would be fantastic. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, that was my, like, that's my one question. Like, let's, if this is the tease and the nod that eventually leads to the act, them actually doing that, it's not that bad mm-hmm. anymore, right? Like it's it's at that point yeah. like, oh cool, this it will was the be first fantastic. Time. All right. This would be a complete watershed. Well, for one thing, like we've been explaining about the lack of prominent bisexual superhero characters, you don't get much more prominent than Dick Grayson. That would be yeah. enormous. It would be enormous. And like it's something that I think would resonate for a whole lot of people. Build a whole lot of interest in the books. It would be a great story to have and it wouldn't I just I, I I would be I would for once like would be praising the editors from the rooftops for letting that happen. That would be amazing. I just don't expect it to happen. Yeah, and I like past history is past history. I mean, it's the that's it is what it is. Um, I I took like I read the scene as them trying to be cute and playing off of that and doing a wink and a nod. Totally agree with like your angle of it and how it can be read that way. Um. And it's one of those like I like I'm hoping that they do. Do realistically, do I think they will? Probably not. But I'm I'm holding out hope. They're trying to like they're trying to do good. So um, there's at least that. The but they I mean so with the Midnighter number one, I mean you know the scene mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Like it was pretty graphic for DC. I mean it's not really graphic, but I mean it's pretty hot and heavy stuff for like a DC. Oh, book. I thought you were. Th- I thought you were talking about there's a really graphic fight thing that happens in issue two that we can't discuss yet. I had immediately thought about the really graphic fight thing. Oh, no, 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 like no, I'm talking freaking brutal and midnight are worthy, and I won't say what it is, but assure you <laughs> that it is coming. 
really graphic sex thing. Um, yeah, in the first back, issue. Is it? I guess well, we so. Think so. What I like is, I mean, the fact that he's using Grinder, that's yeah. culturally, I mean, impressive. <laughs> well, one, I mean, I, I expect that a queer comic by a queer man is going to be culturally common, competent in its portrayal of, like, queer life. That's that's a thing that one would expect. Um, but I'm, gl- again, glad you got to do it. I, I have to say, one of the best panels I went to in FlameCon was with Steve Orlando, and it was called No More Mr. Nice Queer. And it was about, like, finally having the freedom to have gay characters who are not just, you know, like, perfect and upright in every way and, like, allowing people to be bad and complicated and how that's important and violence and blah, blah. And it was a great panel. Um, that's where I heard well, about the new comic Bashback, which as soon as that thing is a, m- a little bit further along on Tumblr, we'll have the creators on our show, and it's amazing. Um, sorry, go ahead. Well, so, so, like, think about, so Marvel's been fairly progressive in having gay characters and, you know, North Star was in the 80s and, like, all that. But think about, like, their portrayal of it. I can't think of any, like, mainstream series. So Marvel, we're going to go with Marvel and DC, just the big two. Um, we're not going to talk, like, Image or anything else. Uh, just the big two of Marvel and DC. Like, I can't think of any other series or, like, comic that has had the the sex scene in Midnighter number one. Um, like, I can't, I can't think of it at all. You're, I'm looking at this right now, actually. You're right. That's a pretty serious sex scene. It's pretty, like... people who are in it. Like, regardless of the gender, like, that's a pretty yeah. serious sex scene for, for a superhero comic. That is pretty impressive. Yeah. So, um, like, that's the only reason I'm sitting there and, like, maybe they will with Grayson because, holy shit, they, like... They went all the way in Midnighter, like literally. Like, boom, 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 yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Midnighter, the Midnighter has sort of a commitment to drawing people ugly, which I respect on some intellectual level. I don't really, I mean, I you know, I I can't help it. I like pretty things, but I respect on an intellectual level uh, the art's willingness to be gritty and grainy and have a lot of people with their gums showing, um, like a lot of people with their gums showing, but expressive and realistic facial expressions at the same time. Um, sorry, just throwing that out there. Uh, in the whole first Midnighter, like, I, I liked it in that it was, and even the second one is that it wasn't pretty people. Like, it's a pretty gritty, like, scar-filled series. Like, it's not yeah. a, like, yeah, the people are jacked and built and stuff like that, but they're not good-looking people. Like, they're pretty beat up, and as they should be in all these fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that that's a choice. I think it's interesting, um, and I, I totally respect that. And I look forward to in an upcoming issue where, you know, the catchphrase they've been banding about, which is like, corporations are people, then they're people we can punch. It's like, did somebody write this comic for me? Is this the comic that I've been waiting for forever? Um, and certainly the authority, when it was at its best, was critiquing capitalism and consumer culture. It would be great, great to see some of that come back through here. So, um, you know, knock on wood. Yeah, yeah, knock yeah. I mean, it, the the potential of, of Midnighter and I think as a whole is going to be fascinating to see what they do. I'm 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 liking it. It's going to be fun and it's just going to be entertaining. Let's let's be honest. Um, Steve does I think great series. He's a lot of fun of a writer and. Um, yeah, I'm fully expecting him to like knock it out of the park with this character, um, especially after that first issue. Like, 
they're clearly I think with all the thing with all the series so far that I've seen is that the it's clear that DC is allowing the creators to create um, that they're giving a lot of space um, to do stuff and do interesting stuff. Um, you know, Constantine's the other example mm-hmm. within how many yeah. pages and he's in a bar flirting with a guy. Like to me, that mm-hmm. was like the, the stand of what I was waiting for and wanted to see if they were including it. And then they didn't just mm-hmm. include it; they included it within like the first quarter of the comic. Yeah, that's like an artistic, creative, philosophical commitment to having that be a bisexual antihero, you know, um, which is great. I mean, we have a lot of antiheroes. We could use some more heroes, but I totally, like, <laughs> but that's the, the, the quintessential content. You, he is an antihero. Like, that's what you have to do. Anything other than that would just be bullshit. So, yeah, it's really great, and it increased diversity in the kinds of stories we see is telling us. It's, it's long overdue and very happy to have it at hand. Yeah. Yeah. So before we wrap, let's talk a little bit about um, Imageness and other yeah. publishers. Sure. Um, so we'll, we'll start off with you. Uh, like, what are you? What has been stand has been standing out to you? Captera has just been utterly charming. Um, I, I it took me a while. I'd heard about the book. I meant to pick it up, and I just got overwhelmed with other things to read. I didn't pick it up until just about a week ago. And um, I began reading it, catching up, and boy, that's a fun comic. It's it, it's definitely spoofing a lot on science fiction tropes, and it helps if you have a nostalgia for various He-Man action figures from back in the day. I actually didn't like He-Man that much as when I was a kid because the, the toys were really ugly, although the art, the, if you actually literally look at the, the, the you know, the art by Alex Toth that inspired it, it's fucking gorgeous, but... Um, there's so many He-Man jokes in this comic, uh, which is interesting to do because this is a comic with a queer protagonist. Um, I really like Captera. I think that the character design and creature design and world design is very unique and interesting, and it's very funny. I mean, Chip Zdarsky is just, like, mm-hmm. really knocking it out of the ballpark. He's, you know, I think one of the hottest creators around these days, and this was a great entry into the series. I think it's I think that this has potential to kind of have an almost saga-like following of people who, like, read this and don't read other comics because it's pretty unique. Um, It's a unique voice in a unique world, and it doesn't depend on you knowing anything outside of it to understand it, even though it does have a lot of fun things with He-Man. And the jokes land well. Um, Yeah, really into Captera. And I have to agree that the best name for a comic, single issue of a comic in a very long time is Space. Why you gotta be like that? <laughs> is I mean, right? Like, how can you not laugh? Like, that's the best name for a for a comic title. <laughs> I mean, anything uh, Zdarsky does is pretty much gold, and the guy is hilarious. Uh, for those who don't know, he he does uh, Sex Criminals with Matt Fraction. He writes Howard the Duck. Howard the uh, Duck, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else. There's like another series or two, or maybe that will be coming up. Uh, the guy's hilarious. Uh, if you haven't read it yet, it's, so Sex Criminals is about people who stop time by having sex. Um, so they did a spin-off book between Fraction and Zdarsky. If you haven't seen it, it's called Just the Tip. And it's a and book it's just all, the bad sex tips from the book. Yeah. They like, all it is, is is a book of sex tips. And it's but they're all bad really, ones. Like that's, oh, yeah. But it's really funny. It's really, really, really funny. 
Um, I mean, him between him and Fraction, they're clearly two guys who are having fun. They just don't give a shit, you know, in a good way. Um, they're they're fun. Like everything they do, you can tell that they're enjoying what they're doing. They don't take themselves seriously. They make fun of each other constantly. Um, and it shows in their books. So, um, you know, I, it, I read the first issue and I liked it. I just there was basically other things that came out every other week, and I'm just I we get inundated with them, so I haven't caught up. So I definitely need to catch up. Um, I have some long flights that I will be able to do that coming up. Indeed, you will, because you're going to San Diego uh, Comic Con. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Did uh, say anything about what you'll be doing for us there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to kind of wrap up the show on that. Um, oh, okay. Well, then, before you wrap up the show on that, um, <laughs> I do think we have to talk about one of the most cliffhangery, tear-causing, gnashing of teeth, pulling of hair, anticipated things happening, which is Wicked plus Divine. Yeah. Um, we're going to assume if you've listened to this, you've read the episode that has all the teeth that that just that came out a couple of weeks. How many weeks? Like this must have been a month ago that it came. Not out. a month. Yeah. That long. Jeez. Um, right. Oh, then. So uh, this comic is one of the best things ever, and I love it. And I have faith, and my faith has not been shaken at all. And uh, Persephone is the goddess who goes to the underworld and comes back. But I would say, even if she doesn't. Um, I respect their commitment to the art, the creator's commitment to the art. Yes. It's, uh, that last issue, the, the ending, I think it was issue 11. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I got to the end, and I, I actually think I yelled out, what the fuck? And I think I was on the Metro while doing that, so I got some looks. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I knew it was going to happen right before it happened. I was like, fuck... That was the thing. That happens a lot in this comic. I feel like this yep. comic is really good at telegraphing things in such a way that you see it before it's coming, but only immediately before it's coming. And that's a hard trick to pull off. Yeah. Yeah, it was like that scene that led up to that particular moment. And I'm like, oh, I can see where this is going. And then, sure enough, it happened. And I was still shocked at that point. I still, like, got shaken of, like, oh, man, like, I can't, they, they can't do that. And paused and, uh-huh. you know, looked at my screen and was very irritated. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's t- consistently it's one of the, the best comics out there. It's really, really entertaining. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's smart without being um, too smart. I, like, I hopefully you know what I mean. Um, whereas, right, you know, like it's, not, it's not overly intellectualized to the point where it feels like wankery. Yeah, yeah. Um... And, you know, if you know things about gods and these characters and their names, like, it helps, but you don't need to know any of that stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's consistently one of the best. And the issue 12 is out this week, too. So, uh, perfect time to pick that up. Um, one that I'm going to throw out there that I guarantee mm-hmm. you have not read uh, is Captain Canuck from Chapter House Comics. I am in love with this comic. So Captain Canuck is a character huh. that's been around for like 40 years. Uh, Canadian superhero. The thing that I like about the series is that it is um, it is a superhero comic that's not gritty, it's not dark, it's just a fun superhero comic. Like the first one is him going in to save people from a burning oil platform um, and, you know, 
course, there's other bad monsters there, but he's not going out and, like, fighting villains and killing people and destroying property and stuff like that. Like, he's going out of his way not to do that sort of stuff. So it's, like, that old-school huh. positive superhero that you could give to a kid and you don't have to worry about swearing and murder and death and all that stuff. Like, it's just a good superhero comic. Like, the actually get to a point of, like, his insults and him basically sw- trying to swear but not being able to. Um... Like, he's in those moments where you fully, if it was a Marvel book or a DC book or image or whatever, you expect the person to be like, oh, shit. And he just can't do it. Like, he said something like, I forgot, it was something Beaver or something. I forgot what it is. It's really, it's funny. Um, but it's just like that good, huh. positive superhero comic. And it has, you know, I imagine, like, could actually have some, perhaps, some in- informative cultural value for Americans to read it if it's really singularly Canadian, do you say? Like, it, you know, like... It does. So there is a character that's constantly talking in French, and they don't translate. Um, there is references to uh, is it first? I always it's not Inuit. It's like First Nation is the Canadian term. Yeah, First Nation, which I love. Yeah, yeah, First Nations is the term that they use in Canada, and I I, I just think it's such a great term. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so there's like sorry, one of the characters that people say First Nations people as opposed to Indigenous people um, to refer to the people who were in Canada before the Europeans showed up. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I love the term. Differential in a way that other terms are not, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a it, one, it's a cool term. I'd rather be called, like, First Nation is kind of a badass term. Totally. Uh, so, like, there's that. It's just, it's one of those comics that, like, it clearly is proud of the Canadian heritage and, um, like what makes them slightly different and it's basically it's not a retread of Captain America with a maple leaf is what I'm getting at Mm -hmm. um in a like a very very good way like it's it's cool the second issue came out either last week or this week there's some confusion on that one but uh it's it's well worth it like if you want a superhero comic for a kid that's not like uh, gritty and dark and like a bad case of emo superheroes, Captain Canucks. Perfect to, to do. Cool. Very cool. Oh, I have one little thing I just want to throw in about Gem and the Holograms, which is that um, it is so much in the spirit of the TV show in that everything ends on a cliffhanger that has you <laughs> saying, when is the next issue out? The, the cartoon historically was so good at ending on cliffhangers all the time. Um, so I have to applaud the, the creative team on that book for keeping that tradition alive. I, I hadn't at first realized to what extent that would be a trademark of the series, but it really does that every time. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it's a fun, like, it's another one that's just a really fun series that I'm enjoying. I, it's actually making me kind of look forward to the movie in a weird way. Uh, even though I know the movies they have nothing to do with the comic at all. Yeah. Uh, but I guess when I say, like, this is a comic people should be buying for their kids. No question. Yeah. And again, oh, if yeah. you like the show, you'll like this comic. It'll like, you'll like it even better, you know. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, right now, like, DC's knocking it, or not DC, uh, Image is knocking it out. Like, everything they touch is gold. Um, there's very few things they put out that's bad. Um... Speaking of Canadians, oh, actually I've been reading a... No Mercy. No yes, Mercy. Yes, what do you think of the that? The darkest thing. Well, okay. First things first. I need to. We need to get Alexa Campy on the show because she's freaking brilliant. Um, like just as someone talking and thinking about comics, 
like everything she said, a special edition, I was like, oh my god, you're brilliant. Uh, so, No Mercy is like the darkest thing I have read in the comic, like ever pretty much. Um, <laughs> so you have to be ready for that. If you're ready for that, you know, it, it, it's a smart, it's well made, you know, it, it's, 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 it's really strong, but boy, is it dark. What, do you, what are you thinking? Uh, so I've liked it a lot. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty um, almost Lord of the Flies-ish in a weird way. Um, pretty graphic and dark and brutal. The the only knock that I've got at all, and I don't, I I haven't picked up a physical copy, so I don't know if it is was my reader. Is the third issue? I think it was where it's like all at night and all yes. they have is like. I like I had trouble figuring out what the hell was going on, and I don't know if it was just my screen or purposely done that way. Um, so it really could have been my reader, basically, the, the problem. Um, that was like my only knock at all. But it's it's different. It's really different. It's really good. Um, I'm liking it. It's I want to say is a new issue out this week. I think maybe. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I don't cool. know. I don't know if it's this week or not. I don't. I for those sure. who don't know, this is sort. This is like, this is a comic about a group of privileged kids who are going off to Princeton basically and decide to go on one of those building houses in Central America things to look at on their resume before school starts, and yeah. everything goes to hell, and it's so dark and so misanthropic all the time. It's kind of. The other, yeah, the other, I would say the other thing I like about it is the fact that it takes a lot of knocks at privilege and these sort of things like it's not every character is like that but there's quite a like it doesn't hold back in the uh the couple of characters that are clearly like doing it to look good on their resume and don't give a shit about this and then there's also kind of like the fake person that's kind of doing it to make themselves look good and i mean it, it really kind of lays it all out there I mean, nobody is entirely what they seem. Like, for example, there's a kid who's the super pretentious, like, freaking goes to Burning Man, doesn't, you know. When, in the, in the moment, when the moment when the crisis happens, he, like, grabs that other girl to save her. Like, that's, and, you know, so he is pretentious and da-da-da-da-da, but he, like, just tried to save that girl, you know. Yeah. I think that people are not, it's not, people aren't just, like, one thing. Um, you know, there's another character who, there's a character who I won't say who, who dies, and her death is really tragic. Um, I, I, you know, I, I really respected how they portrayed that. Like, yeah, it's it's not, it's not, it doesn't hate its characters. I think it's no. more broadly misanthropic, but it doesn't, like, hate its characters in particular. Um, I also really liked her work on Grindhouse, which is, like, something I've been, you know, catching up on. It's like an anthology comic, basically, of Grindhouse-worthy stories, basically. It's one one I need. A, I probably should read, and I know I'd probably enjoy it. I just I don't know why. Yeah, you, I think you would. I think you would. It's an anthology, so you can just look to see which ones you'd be most interested in, and <laughs> check those out and read them on their own. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, that's one I'll have to check up and uh, catch up on. Um, Definitely, because we have to have her on the podcast because she's freaking brilliant. Yes. Yeah, that's that's one that we need to uh, a person we need to get on. Uh, I'm trying to think what else, as far as what's been interesting. 
Um, well, the humans continues to be awesome, but I'm just going to yeah. keep repeating myself. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to have a, a thought piece up about humans very soon. I actually had forgotten that the new issue was coming out this week. I would have timed it to come up with this, but that kind of got ahead of me. Um, but I have a lot of things to say about the humans, inclu- including an explanation of why it's been so hard to talk about the humans. It has to do with your id. Um, Interesting. And New Airboy is coming out on Wednesday, and I'm super excited. Anyone who hasn't checked out, I wrote a review that I'm really proud of of Airboy. If you go on Rocket Policy Radio and look for Airboy, you will find it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That, it'll be in, uh, Where that one goes, I think, is going to be fascinating. Um, the, the first issue was... Uh, it was very different. Let's go with that. Um yeah, the one so the I, other I mean, ones, yeah. the, the other image ones that I've, I've been enjoying, um, Nailbiter still. I think I love that series about basically a town that has tons of serial killers, and the question is why, um, why this one town has all these serial killers, which mm. has been a pretty, uh, it's it's a fascinating series. Um, the I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, I mean, it's a long list. I mean, pretty much anything by Image has been fantastic. There really is very few comics that they put out that I haven't enjoyed in some way. One thing I'm really looking forward to is Kate Left's Magical Girl comic um, that's going to be coming out through Boom in a little while. looks really good. Um, I think it has potential to be her best work yet. Yeah. Yeah, she's always... A solid, like everything she puts out is pretty good. Uh, oh, totally. But I just feel like this is going to be her best thing yet. Like I think this is going to be her like thing that really blows up and that everybody gets obsessed with, because it's a magical girl comic that has a lot to say. And um, I, I well, I've, we're going to try to get her on the show and then I can talk about it a little bit more. But folks should go and take a look and see the the previews for that. Uh, or I guess the preview pictures. We don't actually have detailed previews of that yet. <laughs> Uh, so do you yeah. want to talk about San Diego Comic Con now? Yes, in a week and a half, uh, I will be at San Diego Comic Con doing whatever I can to cover it. Um, I've got Periscope loaded up on my phone, so expect some live video and some fun from the actual show. Uh, but the really cool part is that Sunday from 3:30 to 4:30, I will be on a panel called "The Future of uh, Fan Culture," where we're going to discuss a lot of the stuff we've discussed on the show, um, where fan culture is going, demographics of fandom, um, and kind of go from there. It, sh- it should be really, really interesting. It's me, uh, Heidi McDonald from um, uh, The Beat, uh, Rob, I'm going to always butcher his last name, so I'm not even going to try, uh, who, who has an art, uh, a column over at ICV2, uh, and I can't think of the, the panel or the actual... Um, uh, person who's going to kind of run it all, who works for Washington Post. Uh, but we're basically wrapping up San Diego Comic-Con with this panel, uh, which is rather appropriate as we get to look towards the future. But it should be a lot of fun. Like the, the convention itself, I'm kind of getting things settled, uh, making uh, appointments for interviews, and we're going to see what we can do. And I'm all set up for actually being a one-man uh, video shoot now, so expect a lot of video, which is something we don't normally do at conventions. Um, but the power of technology, I can now do it. 
and yeah, it should be a really, I think, a fun, um, fun time and good convention. It will be a, uh, a good time overall, and we'll come out it with it with a lot to discuss. I have a feeling. I lose you. Are you still there? I might have lost my co-host. Or I'm just talking to dead air. Okay. Uh, so Alana, unfortunately, has signed off. But we only have four or five minutes to go, so it's perfect time to wrap everything up. Uh, we're definitely going to talk San Diego more in a future episode, whether or not we're going to be doing a post-episode or uh, pre-episode. We haven't decided yet. So uh, you can always catch us every single day at graphicpolicy.com. Um, and you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all at Graphic Policy. We're going to keep it nice and consistent. And... Um, yeah, so thanks for listening. A weird ending. We're having some technical issues, but hopefully the rest of the episode was fine. Um, so yeah, so uh, catch us as we head into San Diego Comic-Con. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to do our best to bring as much news from the show itself as possible. So yeah, appreciate you listening, and you can catch us next week, uh, that Monday, just before San Diego kicks off. Till next time. Keep it geeky.